welcome to BG Mania, a video game music podcast founder right here at Level Down Games, where we play some excellent tracks and talk about our experiences with each game. I'm Brian, joined as always by, is that your final answer? It's Frank. Hey guys, it's 98 Radical. Yeah, did you know that uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire actually debuted in 1998 over in Britain? Fun fact, I was actually selected to be on that TV show. Were you? (laughs) However, because the universe hates me, uh, it was the season that Regis walked away from the show and they canceled the show. Oh, so this was like in the 2000s. Yeah, so I passed. I was supposed to go there for the actual live Joel Fastest Finger thing. I had, my, I had everything lined up and the show got canceled. So <laughs> well, that's that sucks because you could have actually probably won some money. Because if there's if there's one thing, you know, it's stupid trivia, stupid trivia and random liner notes for these games. Exactly. Talking about today. Exactly. But much like we do with the games, I, I pulled a quote from something that actually debuted in 98 because who wants to be a winner actually debuted in 99 here in North America. But we always go original year. So I went who wants to be a winner in Britain, which was 1998. Before we forget, BG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passionate project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of this podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. While you're doing that, or I don't know what you'd be doing, but if you could do something for me, that would be great. Uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Yes, we need those. We need those ratings. We need those reviews. Whatever you truthfully think we deserve but the higher the better six obviously stars. six stars if it's possible uh it's not possible but um the more ratings and reviews we obviously get for bg mania the higher the chance that our show will show up in search results for anyone that is looking for a new video game music podcast to listen to on a weekly daily i don't care how often you listen as long as you listen but i want to expand our footprint in this little community to include more people because the more the better the more the merrier there's a lot of frank to go around so the more people we can get the better no you're, you're gonna let that one go oh no I guess Brian. Oh, <laughs> and and i actually honestly hope you're hearing this because this is the first day of our podcast host switch so if everything went according to plan, you won't even know anything that was different. Uh, obviously, this episode is posting on January 9th, which, as I've been talking about for about a month and a half now, is the day that we well, this is the week that we switched our podcast host. So if everything went according to plan, you didn't have to do anything different. And you're getting a new episode of BG Mania, just like you always do every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Pacific. As Frank mentioned there at the beginning when I uh, when I entered him with the uh, old Who Wants to Be a Millionaire quote, uh, we are doing music focused on 1998 today. Uh, even though it is 2019, we are going 21 years back in the past to listen to some great tunes because we found some great stuff today, including that first track. Yeah, that was from uh, Terrorisu 64, Tetra 64. Um... <laughs> released exclusively in Japan November 13th, 1998. Uh, it's the only N64 game that makes use of the N64's biosensor. It was actually included with this game. Now you're saying, Frank, what's the biosensor? Is that like the vitality sensor for the Wii? Oh, it's so much worse. <laughs> uh, so the game would speed up and slow down based upon your heart rate. However, this thing was plugged into the wall and hooked up to your ear. <laughs> I'm not plugged to what plugged into your your power pack on 64. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I was gonna say, my weird. god, my god. It's a wall be weird. Um, and yeah, and then and then clip to your ear. Okay. 
But yeah, this game was recommended for important to English uh, speaking territories because all the text in this game is in English. Yeah, I mean, it's Tetris. There's not even that much text anyway. But you know, like the menu text, everything, but it was never brought over here for some reason. Probably because Americans didn't want to clip something to their ear. I probably Japanese people didn't either. I can't imagine this game sold well. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, Famitsu gave it a 27 out of 40. IGN, 8.4 out of 10, so... Oh, not bad. No, not, not bad. bad. Okay. Yeah, not bad. I, I, IGN used to do import reviews. They don't do that anymore. But they used to actually do import reviews back in like the, the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, that's that's like a middle of the road for Famitsu, a 27. Scaling scaling towards low end. They they usually fall around like the low to mid 30s for games that they really enjoy. It's very rare you see anything above like a 35 or 36 over on Famitsu just because of how, you know, they use a four person system and they take the average. So it's actually uh, kind of cool how they do it. Um, but I do like oh, that. Other, other 1998 fact before going further, before we talk about that. Yeah. What, one of the greatest movies of all time also came out in November of 1998. What is that? The Adam Sandler classic, The Waterboy. Oh, nice. Nice. Did you say who composed that? I could not find the composer, unfortunately. Okay, okay. I was trying. I was sitting there. I was like, I was trying to think who actually did that, and I can't remember if you said it. That's why I gave you so many extra facts because I couldn't find that one. Okay, so composer (laughs) unknown. Um, I guess because at least in over in Japan, I mean, it would be a little bit harder to find. I'll give credit to the original composer of that tune, Mr. Hip Tanaka. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's 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 definitely a remix. So, uh, shout out back to our Hip Tanaka episode back on the uh, fifth of December. If you missed that one, go check it out. We took a deep dive and listened to sixteen tracks from Mr. Tanaka. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and jump to my first pick then. And I am picking something that did come out here in North America, but it came out in Japan first. But it was the same year. Also, Europe is the same year as well. From F-Zero X. This is Crazy Call It Cry, which is Port Town. That was Crazy Call at Cry, otherwise known as the Port Town music from F-Zero X, 
which released on the Nintendo 64 originally over in Japan, July 14th, 1998, came to North America the same year, October 26, 1998, and Europe, November 6th, 1998. There were two composers on this game, but this particular track was done by Taro Bondo. What did he do in Smash Brothers Ultimate? Uh, no credit on the official Nintendo Wiki yet. Yeah, no credit on the official Nintendo Wiki yet. Uh, for Smash Brothers Wii U, he was a supervisor. So he's probably going to be a supervisor for Ultimate as well. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this whole entire soundtrack, man, speed metal through and through. Like, I listened to the entire tra- uh, soundtrack for F-Zero X, and you have your remixes of, like, the classic SNES versions of the F-Zero tunes, but they all have thrash metal and speed metal infused with them. So I actually really thought that this would be an entire soundtrack that you could probably put on a playlist and just kind of rock out to on a on a day to day basis, because uh, I was totally rocking myself when I was listening to this and doing some work. Uh, yeah, this track is there. This they're not just this track, but this whole entire soundtrack is phenomenal. I really enjoyed this. That was a good pick. I like that. Yeah. I would pick for a nice big game, something that we all enjoyed, something that's actually coming out uh, later on this year as well. Oh, okay. So October 31st uh, of last year, we find out we're getting a remake of this game. uh, And I can't wait. From Medieval, this is Scarecrow Fields. Scarecrow Fields from Medieval. Game came out worldwide October 1st, 1998. Uh, Japan would be the last one to say it, actually, uh, in June of 99. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, It was composed by Andrew Barnabas and Paul Arnold. Yeah, man, but the Medieval uh, remake is coming out this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, the remake is set to arrive later this year on PlayStation 4. Uh, I have to assume that they're going to utilize sales for the remake in terms of, like, should we or should we not make a new game for PlayStation 5? Because, you know, next generation is already pretty much confirmed to be coming in 2020. We know Xbox, Scarlet, whatever, they're going to end up naming that officially. And uh, PlayStation 5 will be hitting in 2020. Um, the Switch's successor is probably still several years away. Nintendo is usually always behind the curve by a couple years. I imagine we'll probably get a, a Switch 2 or whatever's next in like 2022 or something like that from them. So they, they usually, their cycles always stay about five, sometimes six years. Nintendo's always the one that has still stuck to that traditional old school 80s and 90s five year typical cycle of a console generation. Whereas Sony and Microsoft have now tended to skew more towards closer to six or seven years just because uh, you can squeeze more out of the technology nowadays. Um, but with the mid-generation updates, you know, it's pretty much like getting a new console every couple years anyway. So, Do you think this is going to be the last first-party Sony game to come out in the year? No, no, because I actually think this will come out either late spring or early summer. I think the last first-party game for Sony in 2019 will be Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us Part Two. Whichever one releases first, obviously the other is going to release in the fall because one of them is going to be like their big spring summer game, whether it's Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima. And then um, the other one will come out at the end of 2019, like sometime where like in the September through November area, just for like a big fall title. Um, whichever one it is, whether it's Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima, not only is that do I think that will be the last major Sony first party title for 2019, but the last major Sony first party title for PlayStation 4. Because by the end of 2019, we're going to know the PS5, what it is. We're going to know presumably when it's coming out. And uh, the only game that we don't know of that doesn't have a confirmed release date is uh, Death Stranding, which I think is PS5 anyway. So like it'll launch simultaneously on PS5, PS4. Um, so I, I really do think that uh, whatever it is, Ghost of Tsushima or Last of Us will be the final PS4 game from Sony. Uh this track, though, man, this would have fit so perfectly back in October when we did yeah. like the uh, and we, we actually did play a track from Medieval during like our October stuff. It was in the uh, Cemetery episode, uh, but I think it was Medieval 2 that I picked from the Cemetery track from that. But uh, yeah, the entire soundtrack for Medieval really just fits so well with the uh, the Halloween season. I really do enjoy these games. I'm looking forward to playing through uh, the remake later this year to see Sir Daniel Fortesque back in all of his glory. I think that'll be fun. And I really do hope that the game does well, because I would like to see them do a new medieval. I think it'd be really, really cool if they continued this franchise instead of just focusing on, you know, the games that we've been seeing time and time again. So that'd be fun. That'd be fun. We'll go ahead and kick it now to my next track, which happens to come from arguably the biggest release in 1998. I think so. Arguably the biggest. And it's a tr it's a game that we've did entire focuses on before. And, you know, this happens to be my favorite game in the entire franchise from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This is Kepora Gebora.
that was Kepora Gebora from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which released on the Nintendo 64 over in Japan November 21st, 1998. We would see it two days later, November 23rd, 1998, here in North America. Obviously composed by one of the greats in the industry of all time, Mr. Koji Kondo. Uh, really, really, obviously, we've talked so much about this game here on the show just because, you know, we we did that whole look at it back when we were doing like our focus on the Zelda franchise alongside Mario and Final Fantasy. Uh, I, tr- I do try to fit it in from time to time because I do think this is a game that is one of a kind in terms of the industry. Like it, it's it's hard to really find another game that will ever match Ocarina of Time in terms of what it was able to do back in 1998 for for games in general, not just Zelda, but games in general, like everything now is based on that formula they established with 3D Zeldas and Ocarina of Time. Yeah. You, you Even to this day, you look at Darksiders 3, which is a game that I just finished last month that still uses some of the Zelda formula that was established in Ocarina of Time. There's a freaking water temple in the game where you have <laughs> to use a form that's like the boots that sinks you to the ground where you can walk on the ground and actually explore this temple. So like they, they take designs like that that all came from this particular game. So had this game not been as good as it was, man, the video game landscape would be totally different in 2019 than than it is today. Like games would be so different without Ocarina of Time, just like retro games would be so different. Games that are inspired by retro games had A Link to the Past not been as good as it was. Like A Link to the Past did for like the 2D adventures, what Ocarina of Time did for the 3D adventures, in my oh, opinion. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So had these two games not been so monumental and legendary, man, it just and and the soundtrack really does lead a lot of credibility to these games because both of these games have such good, strong soundtracks, both composed by Koji Kondo. Um, There's so many iconic tracks that we haven't played from Ocarina of Time yet. So I want to keep getting this into episodes because there's like re-listening to the soundtrack in preparation for our 1998 episode just reminded me how many good things we haven't played from this yet. And now we've played quite a few, like 15 so tracks from this game now. But there's there's over 100 on the official soundtrack and they're all really, really good. Like we've not played the battle music from this game yet. So <laughs> oh, it'll happen. Uh, I know it'll happen, but I'm just saying like there's so many good tracks from this game we haven't played yet that the Ocarina of Time has to appear more. Now, it's unfortunate because I do think we have played every track from A Link to the Past. So the only time we'll ever be able to hear that again is like on our anniversary episodes and stuff. So uh, maybe one day in the future when we're like eight or nine years into BG Mania, we're going to have to like release the restrictions a little bit on tracks you can pick from because eventually we will run out of music <laughs> like there's I mean, obviously new games come out all the time, so we never really quote unquote will run out of music. But uh after so long, we may uh, we may change up the rules a little bit on what we can pick and allow for repicks Licensed every tracks. now and then. Oh. No, 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 repicks every now and then. Okay, for the shot. <laughs> you, you're not doing an all Metallica episode. It was worth a shot, Ryan. It was <laughs> worth a shot. All right. Uh, for my next track, I'm going to take you to our favorite genre of game. That's right, the world of sports. Ooh, my least favorite genre in the world. Well, no, that would probably be shooters. Huh? Shooters released. Yeah. This is the menu theme from Madden NFL 99.
And that was the menu theme from Madden NFL 99. Came out July 31st, 1998. That's how Madden games work. The, the year is next year. Yeah, okay. like, like you know, I'm playing Madden NFL 19 right now in 2000. Well, I was play, I bought it in 2018 and was playing it in 2018, but it's always one year ahead. So, like, yes. later this August, it's Madden the NFL. The happens yeah, Madden NFL 20 is going to come out in August. So. Madden NFL doesn't come out every year, but whatever. Um, Correct. <laughs> it's, it's the year the NFL season ends. Correct. Is, is the year, that's yeah. the way it shows that. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Brian, we had mentioned to each other, this is probably the Madden we play the most. Yeah, I think so. And not, I will say, though, not the football game that I played the most, but the Madden game that I played the most. Did you play the NCAA game? No. Well, probably, yeah, now that you mentioned that. But I was thinking more NFL. Uh, NFL Quarterback Club 97 was the football okay. game that I played the most. I was an NFL Quarterback Club guy over Madden until they stopped making NFL Quarterback Club. Man, I, just, I played the hell out of this game. This is Everybody had this. Uh, so, yeah, in high school, go over someone's house, play this game. Uh, I'd be the one time the Jets would actually, you know, do something. <laughs> Madden games, they really break my heart. Yeah. If you see that, I can be a much better coach than, you know, any of these idiots out there. And uh, you did say you were unable to find the composer for this one, so. I wasn't able to find the composer for this one. Um, now that you mentioned it, man, I had to really rack my brain while you were talking and think, like, what football game probably did I play the most? And uh, every, every night when I got home from work, when I was living in Vegas and you know, I had my own apartment at the time, and I used to have friends come over and we would, we would sit around and play, um, NCAA, yeah, it was NCAA football 2007, I want to say it was. So, and that was on the 360, I think. I do believe it was a game where you, like, you, know, you were able to import them into Madden. Yeah, like, there was a, there was a couple that they let you do that, that because once, because it was really easy to do once we got to, like, the 360, the PS3 era because it was all on your hard drive. So I do think it was NCAA football 2007. And I know for a fact that I'm in the right time frame. I just don't remember if it was 2007, 2008 or 2006. I want to say it was 2007 based off of, you know, what I can remember and where I lived and who used to come over and play with me all the time. But we would spend three or four hours a night sitting around, just having a couple drinks, doing like ma matchups against each other, going through individual seasons and we would each play a certain team and dude we had so much fun with that game so yeah that's probably the one i played the most but in terms of professional it was definitely nfl quarterback club 97 um on the n64 and nowadays madden only uses bullcrap like licensed rap tracks and that i all i literally when i play madden now let me tell you how i play madden right now with the sound off <laughs> with the tv on mute or i'm the you know the the headphones unplugged no, no, that's not the way you play it, dude. That is the way I play it. And I have my I headphones. I have my headphones plugged into my phone, listening to either Spotify or, more realistically, a podcast. That's how I play Madden. That's what I was going to say. Um, you can turn the actual songs off of Madden and use the, the PS4 has built in Spotify. Yeah, I don't really care. My phone has Spotify too. I guess. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think the PS4 Spotify integration is not as good as it can be when I can literally just pull up my phone and plug my headphones into that and just keep, keep the TV on mute. That's how I play Madden. But the way you should play it is you put on, you know, BG Mania, you put on the Max Level podcast and you just play. Yeah, well, that's actually what I do, I, but I don't listen to ourselves. I listen to ourselves when, when I re-edit these shows and I, I listen to the entire podcast, but uh, I don't listen to it again after it releases because there's no point. I've already heard it two times at that point. Once when we recorded it, once when I edited it. Oh, three times is the charm, okay? <laughs> 
then you go ahead and you give us five stars. But I do enjoy listening to other video game music podcasts like the Super Mercado Brothers when I play Madden and uh, other video game podcasts to get inspiration for our own shows. Because I like to stay current and I obviously like to see what other people are doing to not only continuously better ourselves, but just to, uh, you know, give credit to other people where credit is due. I will now go ahead and jump to my next pick, which happens to come from a series that needs to come back. A series that absolutely needs to come back. From 1080 Snowboarding, this is Golden Forest. was the Golden Forest from 1080 Snowboarding, which released on the Nintendo 64 in Japan, February 28th, 1998. We would see it here in North America, March 31st, 1998, and Europe would see it on October 9th, 1998. This was composed by another one of the greats over at Nintendo, Mr. Kenta Nagata. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love Kenta Nagata's work, but I also love 1080 Snowboarding, and I really do wish that uh, this franchise would come back because... It's been since, what, the GameCube was the most recent one that we saw? That was 1080 Avalanche yeah. on the GameCube. I have both these games, and I played the shit out of both these games. Uh, but yeah, the 1080 Avalanche on the GameCube was the last one. And I don't know if that's because of SSX or not. Have there been uh, snowboarding games in the modern era? There was one recently, like, on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 and the SSX franchise, but that's it. And it, oh. I, don't even, I don't even think it's sold well, which is probably why we're not getting anymore. You would think that we'd like, you know, in this modern era, we'd have something like on PlayStation 4 or... I, I think there needs... Like, even if it's just for, like, a trial run to see if these games start selling again, much like they tried the trial run with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, which was an abomination, but... Uh, I'll take a new 1080 uh, snowboarding or Cool Borders. Yeah, like, if Sony would if Sony would fund, like, Cool Borders 4, or if Nintendo, you know, for the Switch or whatever comes after the Switch, if they put out, like, a new... 1080 whatever they want to call it because you know they didn't they didn't stick with the 1080 snowboarding name it was 1080 snowboarding then 1080 avalanche maybe they 1080 i don't know rocky mountains i have no idea no that doesn't that doesn't flow well off the tongue but uh another great rock and tune noticed a lot of uh a lot of rock and tracks on today's episode 
Not very, nothing really too slow yet. So I'm going to bring it down. No, yet. Okay. Notice how I said yet. Because <laughs> I know what I have coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to keep this funk train from slowing down one bit. A game that uh, never made its way here to the States. We would get the other two games in the, steer- in the series from... Oh, I'm going to butcher this. Here we go. This is the Island of Dreams from Ganbari Goman Kurunaru Koi Ashuge Iku no Kuroi Kaje. Uh, it's a Gomon game uh, released, released on the PlayStation in December 23rd, 98. Uh, it was released alongside Gomon's Great Adventure uh, N64. Okay. Uh, it's so it's, it's the second game in the uh, um, in the series uh, released for PlayStation. It's also the second game in 3D. Uh, Mystical Ninja was the other one. Yeah, which we have picked from before. We have. Uh, so I found two composers for this game. Uh, one of them, once you hear their, once you hear what they've done, it's gonna be very obvious after hearing this track. The first one was a uh, Karu Okada. Uh, he did music for Time Crisis. Ah, okay. Second one was Junko Karashima, who didn't. Um, she does the comp- compositions for pop and music. <laughs> shout 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 out to Purnell from Rhythm and Pixels. Yes, <laughs> and, and she also composes for DDR, Dance Dance Revolution. Okay. So after hearing that, you, it's quite obvious. You could definitely you know? tell like the techno remixes and stuff that yes, she does. Yeah, exactly. abso- absolutely. Because that definitely uh, felt like back, you know, in the, in the techno club days. Uh, but this one was crazy. You know, we, we never got it. This was a top down game. Uh, we have to like kind of kick each other. And it's very weird. Um, I don't know why we didn't get this one. We got the rest. Yeah. They must have thought this one was like too too Japanese, so to speak, for us or something. I don't know. 
they do that a lot. They don't, they don't think it's going to translate over here to this Gaijin audience, but whatever. Well, they used to do that a lot. That I will agree with. They don't do that so much anymore. Like, we do get some pretty off-the-wall games now here as well. And it's very rare when a game stays exclusive to Japan. Now, there may be gaps. It may take us five and six years to get a game, depending on who's translating it, who's localizing it, and how long it takes them to get the rights to the game. But more often than not, most games do make it over to our shores now, and they don't stay landlocked to Japan, which is nice, because I do think that, uh, especially for certain games, like, I don't know how well this game sold in Japan, but had it come out in North America, at least that would have been a better chance for it to get more sales. Like, yes, okay, Dragon Quest XI in particular in Japan sold like 3 million, but at least it sold a million in the rest of the world. Like, that fully paid for the translation, plus got Square Enix and the team extra money and extra sales from the game. That's a million other game, million other copies of that game that they wouldn't have sold otherwise. So I, that's why I do think um, bringing over games to other territories besides just the one that it originally releases in is... It, it's smart, like, it's it's dumb not to release your games worldwide anymore. Alright, we'll kick it over to my next pick. It happens to come from another smash hit from 1998 in another one of our favorite genres. And this is not a sports game, and it's definitely not a first-person shooter. Uh, this is a platforming game from Banjo-Kazooie. This is Spiral Mountain. <laughs> Spiral Mountain from Banjo-Kazooie, which released here in North America on the Nintendo 64, June 29th, 1998. Europe would see it uh, July 20, uh, July 17th, 1998. Interesting to note, Japan never saw it. It's never released in Japan. Ever. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Ever, yeah. Thanks. On the Xbox 360, it released December 3rd, 2008. I wonder if that version came to Japan. 
but the Nintendo 60, and it doesn't say if it did or not, but the Nintendo 64 version never released over in Japan. Uh, this was composed, obviously, by Grant Kirkhope, who is one of the greats, and I adore this track. I, I was talking to you while we were listening to it. I love how you can actually hear like some of the sound effects from the level Spiral Mountain actually infused into the track itself. I, I do like how when sometimes games will do that, like you have the music that's taking place, but actually some of the things that you're hearing in the background are actually just part of the track. And you don't actually know that. Sometimes you just think it's random sound effects, but this for this particular uh, portion, it's actually part of the actual track. So I do think that's actually really interesting. And what a great piece of music, man. It just brings me back, obviously, to 1998. Like I said, this is definitely one of the biggest releases in 98. Without a question. Without a absolute question. And one of the greatest platforming games of all time. Absolutely. If not the best. If not the best. That's a good argument to have. Um, it's just one of those games that just thinking about it just fills you with happiness. Like, I just I love Banter Kazooie. Me too. Me too. So much so, obviously, that I really wish that uh, Microsoft would fund a true sequel to Banjo-Tooie and not like, you know, Nuts and Bolts, which sucked. Banjo 3 Reloaded. <laughs> exactly. Like they, they could do so many different things like they own the IP. Why not use it, man? Why not use it? It's so it, it's, they're sitting on a gold mine when in a day and age where they are literally buying studios left and right to bolster their games they have a studio that is okay. I'm talking about Rare, obviously. They're okay now. They're not the studio they were back when they were owned by Nintendo in the 90s and early 2000s. They're not the same studio. Most of the talent has left. But that studio still has some of the talent there. Robin's still there. The composer, one of the composers is still there. There's so many people that could probably put together something good. Whether that's in the Banjo franchise, whether that's in the Conquer franchise. You know, they... they, they gave the Battletoads IP to another studio like Rare's not working on Battletoads that's coming out in 2019. So you have to wonder what Rare is doing now that Sea of Thieves is done. And well, it's not done done. They're still releasing some expansion content here and there for it. But you have to assume that they're on a full fledged game again now. I really hope it's a platformer because that is a major thing besides Ori, which is a platforming game besides Ori. That's one thing that Microsoft is desperately missing that in a Japanese RPG, the two things they need most for the Xbox Scarlet. Ooh, a Japanese RPG starring Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, but what a fun piece of music. I absolutely adore that track. And, uh, yeah, we have we haven't picked enough from the banjo franchise, so we definitely be picking more from it. You know what? You inspire me, Brian. Good, I should. Okay, now you better watch yourself, humble yourself. How about another great game that came out, believe it or not, in the year 1998? No way. Crazy, right? From Spyro the Dragon. This is the Magic Crafters Homeworld.
the Magic Crafters homeworld from Spyro the Dragon. Spyro came out September 10th, 1998 here in North America. It came out October 98 in Europe. And just like before, Japan, got two words for you. No go. See, he thought something else. No go. You don't get well, it. Well, you're right, man. I definitely inspired you. You pretty much copied me. You did a platforming game that didn't release in Japan. Only thing else, this wasn't composed by Grant Kirkhope. No, it said it was composed by Stuart Copeland, the former drummer of The Police. Oh, wow. Uh, that's kind of neat. Um, I actually, you know what? I remember that now because I remember seeing a thing about it because I've, I've recently been playing the uh, the remastered ver- or the, the remakes on PlayStation 4. And I remember seeing that he actually redid the entire soundtrack for the Spyro games for the remakes. But that track, that that's the one that's the actual original from 1998. That's not the remake of the music. That's not from 2018 because that wouldn't fit the episode then. Also, fun little liner note, the titular character Spyro the Dragon was voiced by Carlos Alzaraki, um, who was the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, OK. Uh, he's also the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Yeah, quiero Taco Bell. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and uh, for f- fans of the Reno 911, it was Deputy uh, Garcia. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I am in love with that bass line in that track. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Like That is fantastic. That is so good. And uh, I mean, obviously, I, I, I have heard this track recently because I played through the uh, remake of Spire of the Dragon. I'm actually currently... And I'm playing through these, you know, in, in my spare time, but I'm currently on the second one, Spyro the Dragon, uh, Ripto's Rage, Spyro 2. Uh, great games. I really do enjoy these, much like Banjo-Kazooie, fantastic games. Like, these did for Sony on the PlayStation what Banjo-Kazooie did for Nintendo on the Nintendo 64, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so glad we got the, the remakes of these. Maybe we'll get a remake of Banjo-Kazooie. I play the shit out of that. And uh, this track is not the only one that I have composed by a member of a uh, famous band. Stay tuned. You have something composed by Sting as well? That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. I have a trio of JRPGs for you. So three of my last four tracks will come from JRPGs on today's episode. Let's kick to one right now. So, and, and arguably, these three JRPGs are probably the best three JRPGs that released in 1998. The first one from Xeno Gears. This is Flight.
And that was Flight from Xeno Gears, which released over in Japan February 11th, 1998. We would see it here in North America October 20th, 1998. This was a PlayStation game that was composed by one of the greats in terms of JRPGs, Mr. Yasunori Mitsuda, someone that we will absolutely be doing a deep dive into in the future. I, I adore this man. I think most everything that he's done has just been so freaking good. Uh, very first game he ever worked on was Chrono Trigger, which is so crazy to think about that literally the first game he did literally blew it out of the water with Nobuo Yamatsu and uh, really solidified himself as, even though that was his first game, yeah, I'm one of the best and this is my first game I've ever done. Went on to work on Xenogears. Xenogears was the fifth game he ever composed and the soundtrack is so freaking good. But this track, man, it's it's unbelievable. I absolutely am in love with this. It's like almost into like an epic like saga. Yeah, yeah. It's and I had a hell of a time because I knew we've never picked from Xenogears in the past. And I knew that I wanted to finally get this game into the show because its soundtrack is so freaking good. So I listened to the entire thing, like 80 plus tracks like, man, I have no idea what I want to play because there's so many that are good. And I eventually settled on this one, which is my favorite from the game. But uh, I just I, I really don't know how the hell we are going to play all of this epic music. In, in, in these episodes, man, there's just no freaking way we can get to it all. There's no way we could try. We'll definitely try and we'll be here until we die, uh, which you probably be sooner than me. But that's OK. You are older. Oh, OK. Well, because, you know, impending heart disease. No, 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 no. I wasn't making a joke. I just meant you are a little bit older than me. Not much. Just a little. But uh... <laughs> don't worry. I, I don't plan on never dying. Me neither. What if, dude, if we actually become androids like Detroit become human? We could actually do BG Mania forever. Like, we could be on episode 3,712 at some point in the future. In fact, that in fact that's a goal. In fact, it'll give me a chance to become a cool android Stephen Hawking voice. Please don't. And now, for a repentory of dime. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. None Too of that. Maybe. 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 I don't know. <laughs> you know what I love to do on episodes where we have a theme? Make fun of people? Make fun of people and picked from licensed games. Oh, uh, you've already picked from licensed games on this episode, haven't you? And I'm going to keep on doing it. Let's keep that train rolling. I think Madden is considered a licensed episode or licensed track. And, and, and I'm not going to break stride whatsoever. OK. From Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> this is Terminal Gate.
and that was Terminal Gate from Cowboy Bebop. Uh, released exclusively in Japan, May 14th, 1998, and composed by the actual series composer, Yoko Kano. Well, you have three games that actually only released in Japan on today's episode. Unless you have another one coming up, but I don't think you do. No, uh, the rest of it, we're here in uh, Best America. North America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what can I say, man? I'm trying to expand my horizons okay. to the land of the rising sun. Plus, plus I love anime and Cowboy Bebop. Um, the house, the house of the rise, the house of the rising sun is a fantastic song. It is a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game is very much um, we play like Star Fox. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, you know, even your interactions with the other characters, it's very Star Fox style with like the popping up little text boxes. But okay. I couldn't read it because it is in Japanese. Of course. Um, now this doesn't take the Star Fox formula. I'm assuming you're not like flying around are you it's very much like a star fox clone if you will okay um, but that's not how but that's not how cowboy bebop is in the anime is it that's like that's not uh, really uh, i didn't think so so it's not true to the anime at all well bounty hunting i guess um that's metroid <laughs> so uh since i don't have much to talk about this game let's talk about 1998 okay so movie of the year for 98 with a whopping 11 Oscars. Near, far, wherever near. you are. Yes, Titanic. I believe. <laughs> that my heart will uh, go on. It will go on. Um, Till I die. Special shout out to, to Best Supporting Actor 1998, the late great Robin Williams. We miss you, buddy. Yes, we do. Depression is a hell of a thing. It is, you know. So, you know, you see something, say something, you know. Reach out to your friends out there. Play video games with them. That's what I do with Brian. I am depressed. Well, that's because I keep eating that video games. One day I'll let you <laughs> But yeah, I would love, like, a good Cowboy Bebop game that actually follow the anime. Yeah, you. I mean, in, in a world where, you know, we're getting a fantastic One Piece game later this year, you know, a uh, world seeker that looks like so much fun to play from Bandai Namco. There's games based off of Sword Art, Tokyo Ghoul. Um, I'm fine with him just being a fighter. Yeah. In, uh, in uh, Jump Force. Just give me something. Just wet my whistle. Yeah, and Jump Force is coming out next month, man. Jump Force is in February, so. Yeah. Let's go ahead and kick to what may be the only slow track we have on the episode today from another fantastic JRPG from 1998. So we get into this is reminisce.
And that was Reminisce from Suikoden 2, which released over in Japan December 17th, 1998, just barely making the cut. We would see it here in North America almost a year later, September 25th, 1999. Europe would then see it the following year, July 28th, 2000. So barely making the cut by releasing in Japan in 1998. This was composed by Miki Higashino, who is relatively unknown in the video game music composition world. Uh, but she is someone that I absolutely really do like because she is most famous for composing Suikoden and Suikoden 2. But she also worked on Vandal Hearts. She is someone that I think we could potentially do an episode on in the future because there's enough games there. But we would definitely have a repeat. So we, we obviously are going to focus on some other composers first. But when we start running out of composers to do deep dives into, uh, she is going to be on the list because I think there's enough games there that we could, you know, pull a couple tracks from Suikoden, in a couple tracks from Contra 3, some from TM, TMNT. Uh, we, we could definitely fill an episode, but uh, it'll, it'll be a while before we end up getting around to to do that. I absolutely adore adore this track though man it is so well done a uh, beautiful composition with traditional japanese vocals done by yumiko takahashi who is a japanese actress and singer nicknamed good p <laughs> she i don't know let me see if she is still doing things let's see here doesn't look like it the last album she released was in 1997 so it looks like she may be done in terms of in terms of music, uh, which would make sense. Sweet in two was 1998. So but still, I, I really like when her vocals kick in, man. Very, very well done. And this track just is beautiful. I love it. That's good stuff. When it kicked in, it's like, oh, who's singing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had you asked me and I had to go look because I actually didn't pull that up. So for my next track, I'm going to do it to you again, Brian. Back to back. License game tracks. OK. From Rugrats, search for Reptar. This is Save Chucky from the Goose Instructions. search for reptar that was save checky from the goose instructions you keep managing to outdo yourselves with like i always think you play like the worst track ever composed and then you come up with another just stinker man this, this sucks what the hell is wrong with you i tried to find one of the worst songs possible in fact i switched this one on the fly because the song that i had initially picked was better than this what the hell is wrong with you man you need help this is about playing good person. music we're supposed to be playing good music Every once in a while, gotta keep on your toes. This game no, we, 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 what we need to do is actually do an episode for bad music. You need to save all this shit for an episode where we just do bad music. 
Oh, forget about it. I'd kill that episode. <laughs> All 60 tracks picked by you. <laughs> this game came out on Halloween 1998. Okay. Composed by the series composer Mark Mothersbaugh, who was the lead singer and composer of Diva. <laughs> okay. So when the song comes along, you must whip it. Whip it good. But 98, man, that, that was like the, the height of Dicktoons. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you're were, you were still in, in Pampers, you know, watching your Hey Arnold and your Angry Beavers. Uh, I'm pretty sure I wasn't wearing Pampers at 12 years old. I don't think so. I think I, gra- I, think I stopped wearing those sometime I... around. I think I stopped wearing those 11. sometimes around 11 and 10 or 11, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, 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 no. None of that. Mommy, wow, I'm a big kid now. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's my contribution for a horrible song of the episode. I had to make sure I got it in there. You don't normally pick a bad track. I mean, there's been a couple times you have, but uh, it's not like you try to do this every freaking episode. That, that one I picked simply because I was committed to the uh, to the game. And I was like, you know what? Let's just let's hit Brian with the worst track I can find on that on, on the entire game that wasn't uh, already used. Yeah, well... I'm not even gonna waste my breath talking about that track. That sucked. So, I only did that. Only did that to, to make our next two tracks just shine. Three tracks. We have three left. I have two, and you have one. Oh, our next two. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. See, yeah, you okay. and me. Okay. Okay. I just can't. I, was, I thought I can't do math. No, no, no. no. Uh, I'm gonna put a break in between the GRPGs for a second, and I'm gonna go to another one of 1998's biggest releases. You see how I do these episodes? I tend to focus on the big games that came out in '98 with great music, and you focus on shitty games with decent to okay music. From Metal Gear Solid. What game is that? This is the main theme. Yeah. 
And that was the main theme from Metal Gear Solid, which released on the PlayStation September 3rd, 1998 in Japan. We would see it the next month, October 21st, 1988 here in North America. Europe would see it in 1999 on February 22nd. This particular, there was five composers that are credited for the soundtrack to Metal Gear Solid 1. This particular one was composed and arranged by Toppy, was his name he goes by in the industry, but his actual real name is Toppy Iwasai. Iwasai? Iwasai. Toppy Iwasai, who is most well known for his contributions to the Metal Gear and, funny enough, Sawiket and franchises. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, both games are also Konami, so uh, it would make sense. But uh, yeah, this particular theme would carry through through Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, and uh, I think it the only first time it wasn't used was Metal Gear Solid 4 because they stopped using it due to allegations that its motifs were plagiarized from a classical piece by Russian composer Georgi Sferdovov. Hmm. So yeah, they, they, they said that uh, it sounded too similar to something by him, so they stopped using it after the third Metal Gear game. Whatever it is, I've never heard. Before. Yeah, it's it's not nothing that's uh, nothing that I actually am familiar with as well. Uh, now that I think about it, this may have fit our controversial episode coming up in 2019. <laughs> sure. Oh no, that's not fair. I only have one last pick, Brian. One last pick. Me too, though. I only have one more to go. I guess for the last one, I'll make it a good one. I would hope so. I mean, but really, you can't go wrong. You could play a five second loop, and it'd probably be better than the last thing you just played. From Marvel versus Capcom. This is Rules Theme.
and that was Roll's theme from Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, composed by Yoshinori Ono. Uh, this game came out on January 23rd, 1998. Singer, uh, uh, another great composer in her own right, is uh, Yoshino Aoki. Right, yeah, which is crazy that she's also a composer for like some some great JRPGs like Breath of Fire, uh, most recently Final Fantasy 15. So kind of cool. She even did one of the uh, she did Suikoden uh, Tear Crease. So oh yeah, the uh, like the the spinoff title from that franchise. Yeah, everything ties back together. See, yep, we managed somehow. Managed somehow. See, completely unintentional. Um, but uh, now she's currently employed at Unique Note. It's a studio f- founded by uh, Tetsuya Shibata. Oh, okay. So she's, the vice pre- she's the vice president of the company. Very cool. Nice, nice, nice to see someone uh, getting ahead in, the, in this industry. Yeah, yeah, super, super cool. Um, Tetsuya Shibata also Tetsuya Shibata also a composer uh, who worked on things like, if I can remember correctly, Devil May Cry. Um, I just can't remember some of the other things. I think he worked on Monster Hunter too, but I can't remember everything that he's Monster worked Hunter, on. Monster Hunter, Resident Evil Outbreak. Okay, there you, there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, see? I really did enjoy that track, though. Roll Steam is very well done, which actually is the same track that comes from uh, Mega Man Battle and Chase. So. It's like this. It, it's the same theme. It's her theme. Uh, so. I, 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 I love this game. This, this is the first one, obviously. Marvel vs. Capcom. Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Um, I would love for the series to either, you know, fix itself or. Well, Infinite, Infinite isn't as bad as it was when it first came out. I'm, I'm just apprehensive. I've been burned before. I know. Um, I mean, Street Fighter V really left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> um, she's Mega Man's sister, which I wasn't familiar with, so I actually looked that up. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Marvel vs. Capcom games, it's, it's not or like and, and the, the side games for Mega Man is like stuff that I never really jumped into that much. So I don't know much of like the, the family history of that. So it was kind of neat seeing that uh, that's actually uh, his sister. Yeah, it's. It's, it's a crazy timeline. Yeah, it, it seems like it is. Um, okay, well, I guess that'll take me to what we're going to play to close out the episode, which is my last pick for this 1998-centric episode. And we're going to go to the final of my JRPG trilogies. This one happens to be Star Ocean, the second story, which was the second game released in the Star Ocean franchise. And the track we're going to close out with is Stab the Sword of Justice which is a nice little rocking tune. Uh, like I said, I wasn't really I wasn't really anticipating this episode being so rock focused, but it ended up being just that. Like most of the tracks we played were n- not metal, but more rock focused. So I actually think that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, Star Ocean, the second story released on the PlayStation July 30th, 1998 over in Japan. Uh, we would see it here in North America, May 31st, 1999. So almost a year later. Uh, often considered the best in the Star Ocean franchise. And that is my sentiment as well. Star Ocean 2 is better than 1, 3, 4, and 5. And I have to assume there will be a 6 at some point. There's generally one Star Ocean game every generation. So that's how it's been since it, the, the franchise started. Well, so, so we're due. Well, we'll be due once the PS5 is out. We did get 5 on the PS4. So so P, uh, Star Ocean 6 will probably come out on the PS5. That's a couple months from now. Well next year like a year and a half away still most likely all right that's it's, it it's I'll only the, it's message. only the beginning of january it's only the beginning of 2019 so beginning of it's january at that too it's, 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 cold, it's cold enough freeze me wake me up when it's ready okay well we'll uh we'll do that but you know why would you care i mean you don't like star ocean are you are you specifically just talking about the ps5 ps5 no star ocean can okay, go ahead say, and do, 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 do its own thing 
I was gonna say, you don't really care about Star Ocean. Now, there was a re, uh, remastered version called Star Ocean Second Evolution, which released on the PlayStation Portable in 2008. And then it also released on the PS4 and Vita in Japan, October 2015. Um, I kind of wish that that would actually come to North America. I would love to play the remastered version of this game on the PS4. But for whatever reason, Square Enix has no plans to release it outside of Japan, so it might be uh, might be stuck there, which would be stupid because I actually do think this would sell well. Uh, fun little piece of music. I absolutely really do enjoy this. It's like a battle theme, so it, it's a fun little way to close out the show. And it was composed by another one of the greats in terms of JRPGs and just Japanese games in general, Matoi Sakuraba. That would be a fun episode to do, but my God, it would be so hard to narrow it down because he's like, he would absolutely need a part two in the future just because there's so many things that we could actually pick from for that episode. Uh, but I do I think... I hope he does a license game for me to pick a song from. Probably does. But I do think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here. I think we said it all, Brian. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Remember to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to bgmania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through iTunes. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash leveldowngames and subscribe to our channel there if you haven't already. And why not head over to twitch.tv forward slash leveldowngames for all of our live streams and event coverage. You can subscribe there. If you want to follow us on social media, that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and those can be found in the description box for the podcast. Next week, we will be taking a look at airship music. So what do we mean by airship? So any let's let's clarify this for this one. Any level that actually takes place on an airship. So, you know, think like the original Super Mario Brothers three, like the airship music in that. So you think that any game that has a level that takes place on an airship or a game where you're actually flying an airship. But if you pick from a game where you're flying the airship, the track has to be the music that plays while you're flying the airship. So like think Final Fantasy, like any of the Final Fantasies, because they have airship music. Do we have an elevation limit on how high into the sky we can go? Uh, As high as you want, dude. As high as you want. All right. Space games, it is. Yeah, well, as long as it's an airship. So I'm not going to say rocket ship. <laughs> as long as it's an airship. Also, Rocket Man by Elton John is not going to happen. No, 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 no. It's definitely not happening. But yeah, we'll, we'll take a look oh, at air. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll take a look at airship music. I know there's plenty of things we can pick from, oh, yes. whether that's Jap- Japanese games that have you flying an airship, or there's actually several games that I can think of off the top of my head where you're actually, you know, taking doing a stage on an airship itself so that'll be a fun episode to do next week taking us out of this episode once again we have stab the sword of justice from star ocean the second story composed by matoi sakuraba keep the music playing and keep it loud